Uh, good afternoon again. Uh, the passage we're studying today is taken from John chapter 10, verses 19 through 20 through 30. And you can find this uh, printed in your bulletins or you can go to your church Bibles. So I invite you to read with me John chapter 10, verses 19 through 30. This is the word of God. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At the feast, at the time, at that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long would you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe, because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we read these words, these words that are from your Bible, your revelation, and you have provided for us the Holy Spirit that give us the understanding of spiritual things, that we don't come to these words in our own strength, otherwise we won't be able to understand them and have faith in what we find written on it. We pray, Lord, that you may empower us to consider these verses and ponder them in our hearts, to be encouraged by knowing about our eternal life and the assurance of our salvation. But we also pray for anyone in this room or anywhere who hears this message, that you may send to them the Holy Spirit, that you may open the eyes of their hearts, that they might believe in you, that they might have eternal life, be saved, and never perished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are many things that you can learn as you study the Gospels. As you study, for example, the Gospel of John, there are many different things that you will learn, teachings from Jesus and from the circumstances that surrounded Jesus. And one of these things that you can learn as you go through any of the Gospels, 
um, as we hold through the gospel of John, is that the religious leaders hated Jesus. They hated Jesus. They didn't like Jesus. And uh, you could ask the question, why was that? Why did they hate Jesus? Why did they not like Jesus? What was the problem? Um, and you can have a, a number of reasons, and one of them will be that Jesus said things that they didn't like. For example, Jesus said to one paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And rightly say, rightly they say, this can only be said by God. And they were right. Jesus was God, so that's why he could say those words. But they didn't like that Jesus said these words to the paralytic. Also, he said that he was the bread that came down from heaven. Jesus has taught them also that he's the door and that unless you enter through him, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said many things that displease the religious leaders and and we, we learned uh, from these verses that right after Jesus said these words, the words that he was teaching to them through the parable of the good shepherd, as you will find it in the Spanish Bibles, uh, the parable of the good shepherd, uh, they didn't like those things and they were not happy about them. But also they didn't like the things that Jesus did. They didn't like... The fact that Jesus had the power to do things that nobody else could do. They were not happy with that. And they were trying at all costs to convince people that Jesus didn't do what he did. Or or, or that he did it through another power. Or that maybe there was an arrangement between the blind man and Jesus and others to deceive people. They didn't like the things that Jesus did. All the miracles that Jesus did. And that he did it on the Sabbath day. They didn't like that. Therefore, they hated Jesus. But there is also something that goes uh, underneath of the things that Jesus said and Jesus did. That is actually the main reason why they hated Jesus. Why they didn't like Jesus. And that's what Jesus reveals to them in these verses. That it was not just what he said or what he did, but who they were. That was the reason why, first of all, they couldn't believe in Jesus, and then they ended hating Jesus. So I'd like us to see four things through these verses. That when you put them together, it's like a sentence. The first thing is that Jesus is the Christ. Second, yet, the Jews did not believe in him. And for the Jews, we have to be specific that we're talking about here, about the religious leaders. Third, but those who believe in him have eternal life. And fourth, and they will not be snatched out from God. First of all, Jesus 
is the Christ. There was again division among the Jews. This sounds very familiar to us, at least to me. When you read three previous verses in John chapter 9, verse 16, says this way, Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. Jesus, his message, his presence, the things that he did, divides the world into two groups. Those who believe and those who don't believe. And both groups have different destinies. But even the group that didn't believe was divided within them. They didn't know what to do with Jesus. There might be a little bit more rational, and therefore they were having a hard time just to deny what they could see with their own eyes. That Jesus had the power to heal a man who was born blind. As the man was, uh, the, the blind man or the man who was healed by Jesus said, nothing like that has ever happened since the foundation of the world. Nobody has ever seen something like that. Therefore, they, they were having a, a problem, a struggle to figure out what to do with this Jesus. So the conclusion of some of the religious leaders who wanted to dismiss Jesus' power, Jesus' authority, the things that he did that was, were real, were visible to everyone, that he healed the blind man, their conclusion was that he had a demon and that he was crazy. Why should we listen to somebody who had a demon and is crazy? They will say, and, and think about this, you have that division that is taught to us here in these verses, and I think that there is a conversation, it's a group of people, all of them together, having this discussion and what to do with Jesus, and some of them are concluding and are saying to the others, he must have a demon, he must, have, he must be possessed by the devil, and also he's crazy, so stop listening to him. Now, I think that those who were saying this, they were listening to Jesus. Because they were really paying attention to what Jesus was saying and was doing. But they didn't want to make sure, they wanted to make sure that nobody will become a follower of Jesus. They, that nobody will become confused about where they stand, which is against Jesus. But others said these are no words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Why is that? Why they could conclude that this could not be words of one who is oppressed by a demon? And remember when they are saying these words, they are referring to the teaching of the good shepherd, that, that Jesus is the good shepherd and that his sheep listen to his voice. And those who are not his sheep, they will not listen to his voice. And they are saying, these words, this teaching that Jesus is saying to us cannot be 
coming from somebody who is oppressed by a demon. Why? Because can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Can somebody do such miracle just because he's oppressed or possessed by a demon? Can a demon do that work? They were recognizing that only God could do such thing. Therefore, those words of Jesus could not come from somebody who is oppressed by a demon. So remember, that's the group that didn't like Jesus, and they are discussing within themselves what to do with Jesus, his teachings, his works. How do we address in their minds this problem that, that we have right now with having this man doing these healings and saying these things let us all agree on, on something. This man is possessed by a demon and is insane, and they could not agree on that. Because some of them could not deny the power of Jesus and that only God could do the kind of things that Jesus was doing. Therefore, as they are in this problem, they got desperate. They, they lost patience. They didn't want to continue to deal with this. They didn't want to continue guessing what Jesus is saying. And Jesus is using these parables. And he's speaking to them. And they, they, they are trying to say, no, this is, is he talking about us? He's not talking about us. Is he talking about himself? So we better go and ask him directly, what's, what does he say about himself? Let's go ask Jesus. I think they say, let's all ask Jesus Let's confront him with what he says about himself. Because he cannot be doing the kind of things that he's doing and saying the kind of things that he's saying without accepting that he is trying to, to say that he is the Christ. Let's ask him directly. So they go, they surround Jesus in this place, in the, in the temple. The Feast of Dedication was a moment when they uh, remembered that the temple was restored in around 164. And they are there all together around Jesus. They come together to, to talk to Jesus, surrounded Jesus. And they ask this question, how long would you keep us in suspense? Some commentarians will suggest that you could translate this in a different way. As how long would you continue to anoint us? We're tired of this. One way is more gentle. How long would you keep us in suspense? The other way is more confrontational. I think in any way, we can see from the result of this conversation, which is the following verses after this, verse 31 ahead, that they didn't come to Jesus to ask Jesus, how long would you keep us in suspense as Jesus, we really want to know if you are the Christ. Because if we know if you are the Christ, we're going to follow you. This is not how they came to him. Because we know from these verses that Jesus clearly responded to them their question, yet they wanted to kill him because they didn't believe in him. So how long would you keep us in suspense is more give us an answer and a reason 
that we could use against you to get rid of you. Because we don't want to follow you. If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. If you are the Christos, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the one God was to send as the King of Israel to save his people. Even in their understanding of the Christ, the Messiah, they were mistaken. What were they expecting when they say, are you the Christ? What were they expecting the Christ to come and do to deliver the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, from the oppression of other kingdoms, in this case, the Roman kingdom, and to put them in charge? And that's mistaken because the Christ, the Christos, the Messiah, the Savior was coming to deliver his people that included the nations, as we saw last week, included not just Israel, but people from another fold, the Gentiles as well, to deliver them from the slavery of sin. So even their question was mistaken because they didn't understand right who will be that Christ or why he will come to do and their motivation wasn't right because they didn't want to know Jesus to worship him remember when Jesus came to the to the man who was blind and who was healed Jesus said do you believe in the son of man and the blind man or the healed man said tell me who he is that I might believe or I might follow him and Jesus said here I am, this is the one who is talking to you, this is the one you are seeing. And the answer that this man gave to Jesus was that he believed and worshipped him. He was ready to believe. He was a sheep. He was ready to believe in Jesus. This group of people did not believe in Jesus. But Jesus was the Christ. How could they know that? Jesus answered to them, I told you. I have already told you. How did he tell them? You may ask. When did he tell them? Actually, the only person so far with whom he has had a more direct conversation is the Samaritan woman. But to them, how did he tell them that he was the Christ, the Savior, the one who comes to save people? from their sins he told them in this way the works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me you know what is ironic why did they come to Jesus and ask this question the first time why are they pursuing Jesus and, and, and struggling with Jesus because of the works that he did that was precisely their problem. The works that he did. The healing of the blind man. The healing of the paralytic. All the things that he was able to do. If you go through, through John's all the miracles until this moment. Those are the things that got them angry about him. And Jesus is saying to them, those things actually are the things that prove that I am the Christ. 
that I am divine, that no one can do the things that I'm able to do. When Jesus says to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, and they say only God can forgive sins, he says, so that you might know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins, raise up, pick up your bed, and walk. And he did it to prove that he's God, that he's divine, that he has the authority to forgive sins, that he is the Christ, that he is the Savior. Jesus is the Christ. They were expecting the Christ. They missed the Christ. Maybe you are in this room and you weren't expecting the Christ. You are not even expecting the Christ. But we tell you, those who stand here and preach the gospel to you, that unless you believe in Jesus, who is the Christ, you will not have salvation. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Savior. So get informed on that matter because it is important. Jesus is the Christ. Yet, they did not believe in him. Whom? The Jews, the religious leaders. Jesus said this twice to them in verse 25. And you do not believe in me. I told you these things. and The works that I do show that I am the Christ. Still, you do not believe in me. Why did they have a problem believing in Jesus? Why did they didn't believe in Jesus? Why? Why so? They saw the works. They saw the blind man. The blind man who was healed testified. The disciples of Jesus, Jesus called them, follow me, and they will follow him immediately. And they struggle with faith throughout their journey with Jesus, but they follow Jesus. They believe in Jesus. Why did they believe? Why is it that they could believe, but the religious leaders who had more information, who had more preparation about who was the one who was to come, who was Christ, who was the Savior, they could not believe. Why is it? Why, why so difficult to believe? I mean, I remember growing up and uh, reading stories from the Old Testament and watching movies about the Ten Commandments growing up, and I was wondering, how could people not believe? Seeing what they saw, how could they have Doubts. How could people not believe seeing Jesus raising Lazarus and still getting even more angry about Jesus and wanting to kill him? Well, the answer is simple. You are no among my sheep. That's what Jesus said to them. Why you don't believe? Because you are no my own sheep. It doesn't matter if Jesus will be going up to heaven and come down in front of them. If they were no Jesus' sheep, they will not believe in Jesus. They will only want to kill him. That's why they hated Jesus. They hated Jesus because they were no his sheep. And here is why Christ divides the world into two. It's not three groups. One that follow him and another one that doesn't follow him and another one that stays neutral. 
And maybe my belief, maybe non-belief. No. This is why today when you preach Christ, and you can get enemies anywhere, but you pre- preach any other religion, and, and, and you see that there is some good friendship between groups, but not with Christ. Because the only way that someone can believe in Jesus is that, that you are his sheep. And if you are his sheep, you hear his voice. My sheep, hear my voice. I know them. That's at the end the most important part. Those him who knew, he predestined. Know them is, I love them. I knew them before the foundation of the world. I love something that Liam said this morning that, that he doesn't only know only just our names, but he knows our DNA. Think about that. I confess I do have a problem. I was just sitting this morning uh, for the 9 a.m. service in the balcony, and I was looking around the congregation trying to figure out how many names do I know here. And I said, well, I know a lot of faces. I know this. I know that. But I was strolling to put names with people. I felt bad about it. And I wanted to, to do something about it. But Jesus knows your name, knows your DNA, knows you before the foundation of the world, knows every part of you, have known every thought that you have had, knows what you are thinking about right now. This is how much Jesus knows you. And what is more amazing is that even though he knows what you thought you are thinking and you will think, he still loves you. And you know, you know why, right? Because we are not always thinking about good stuff, church stuff. He knows everything about you and he still loves you. And because he knows you, he empowers you to hear his voice. He, he gives you new life in Christ and you are empowered to hear Jesus and follow him. Follow me. And they follow him. His disciples. Did the miracles. He's insane. He must possessed by a demon. Why? Because they were not his sheep. Yet, Christ, Christ is the, Jesus is the Christ, yet the religious leaders did not follow Jesus. But, and here is the wonderful thing. Think about this. Jesus is speaking. He's confronting unbelief. But in the middle of confronting unbelief, he is giving wonderful news for you and me. In the middle of that confrontation. It's not all bad news. There are beautiful good news. Yet, the Jews did not follow him. But those who believe have eternal life. Verse 28. I give them eternal life and they will not perish. Remember that when we were looking at the, the metaphor of the sheepfold, Jesus is 
the door, the gate, and the sheep comes through him, gets there. He, they, being inside of the sheepfold means protection overnight from the thief, the robber, and the wild beast, anything. And going out, in and out, remember, is going out to be fed by Jesus. And those who trust in Jesus, who come in through him, they have life, and not just life, in abundance. Those are the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. Where are the heavenly places? Is, are we just talking about the future when we will be with God in the new world, new creation, new heaven and earth? No, the heavenly places is right now here around us, the kingdom of God. All the spiritual blessings are ours in Christ Jesus right now, right here. So your eternal life won't start the moment you die, but your eternal life, you have it right now, right here. And you know that you will never perish. Some people say, I don't want to live forever. I just want to have a good life while I'm here. Have you heard that? Have you said that? You know what is the problem with that statement? Is that everybody's going to live forever. That's the problem. When, when we talk about eternal life and the eternal life that Jesus is talking about here is that perfect communion with God forever. Is what we understand for glorification. We will live with God forever and there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more sin. We will be with God for eternity in the new heavens and new earth But those who do not believe in him, who are not his sheep, they will perish. And perishing here doesn't mean just dying and the end. It means eternal condemnation. That's what our elder Ross was saying here regarding, well, the moment is right now. Believe right now. But you know that you will not perish. You will not be separated from God for eternity. You know what? Give us a, a good experience on earth while we are here, even though through sin and through uh, the fallen nature that we have in the fallen world is that there is common grace around us. And those who have believed experience the special grace of God. But those who will perish will be separated from God. So it's an important thing to think. If you are here today, I was asking you last week, please believe, please enter in. Please trust in Jesus for salvation. I don't know if you are a sheep or not. And that's not my role. My role is to tell you and ask you and invite you and repeat and repeat again and again. Please enter in. Trust in Jesus. And you will be saved. And fourth, they will not be snatched out from God. I give them eternal life and they will perish. They will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given to given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Think about that. The only promise that you have is that you have eternal life that is yours, that you that it will not perish. But but someone can take this away from you. Whether it's Satan, whether it's your own sin, or something else. No, you have here assurance of salvation. No one, nothing can separate us from the love of God. If you are loved by God, if you are known by Jesus, if you are his sheep, no one will ever be able to snatch you out from his hand. Why? Because the Father is greater than all, than all your enemies. Even greater than your own sin. How about my sin? I don't know what is going to happen in 10 years. Maybe I turn back. Something like that. If you are really a child of God, he will sustain you to the end. I don't know if you have heard about perseverance of the saints. Perseverance of the saints is not that we are persevering, but God is persevering us till the end. No one. And how you know that promise from Jesus is true for you and for me is that Jesus and the Father are one. Are one. It's one will. There are two persons, but they are one in essence. And the will of the Father is the will of the Son. Therefore, no one will separate you from the love of God. Now think about this, this whole message. Again, this message is taught, preached by Jesus, spoken by Jesus in the context of him confronting unbelief. This is what he's doing right now here. He's confronting those who questioned Jesus, who came to Jesus asking him if he was the Christ, not because they wanted to believe in Christ, not because they wanted to believe in him if he confessed that he was the Christ, but because they wanted to kill him. Yet there are great news for you and for me, and that's what you should be concerned about right now here. Will you enter in? Will you believe in Jesus? If you will, you will have eternal life. You will never perish, and no, nobody will separate you from God. And you, if you have already believed in him, I hope my hope that you will be as encouraged as I was throughout this week considering these verses. I know it's only 30 minutes, 35, 33 minutes of your time. And for me, it was days of thinking and thinking and thinking on this test. But I wish and I hope that you don't leave and leave the test behind you. That you leave this place and leave thinking about that. Think about this, that if you have heard Jesus' voice, it is because you are a sheep. And not because you are good, but because he loved you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a gracious God. 
who loved us and know us by name, even before anything that exists was created, you already call us, have chosen us to be your people. We thank you for that. We thank you that you remove the veil from our eyes and allow us and empower us to see you and enter in the kingdom of God through faith in you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came to this world and on the cross you pay for our sins. You pay the ransom. We are declared as just because of your work. Your righteousness is our righteousness and we thank you for that. And we do pray together as brothers and sisters in Christ for anyone in this place right now or our relatives or our friends who still don't know you that you might open the eyes of their hearts. We pray that you might help us this week as we uh, interact with them, as we uh, meet again with this man or woman at the coffee shop or the cleaner's place or any place we go, that you might give us words, that you might give us the opportunity, that you might maybe um, put a question in their hearts that they will share with us and we could share with them the good news that you are the Savior of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.